certainly. You should not tell them until the end, though, for sure. <laughs> well, I can, I can put in some, can put in some crazy talk if you'd like, Mister Joel. I don't care. You do you. I know how you feel about that. I do. All right, welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark. We're going to talk about shooting on deck tonight. Mr. Park. Hello. Sorry, I need to take a drink of liquid courage here. Mr. Kim. Hi. So we got the Korean brothers and... Indeed. Our our, our man from Arkansas, <laughs> Billy G. <laughs> we got to call you Billy Hi. G. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, Bill, I asked you on because you've been making some... I don't know if it's really controversial, but there's sort of pointed. There's some sort of aggressive posts you've been making. Uh, yeah, I, I've on been, the Instagram. Yeah, I've been posting the last few days on Instagram. I guess since uh, what was it? USPSA Insights posted about some of the uh, what is it? What's the upcoming match? Area six. Area six is the one has a uh, yeah. has a couple guys from the Pineland uh, Pistol Club. Who were otherwise known in, as Tony Cowden's backyard? Yeah, uh, and who were involved in all of the uh, classifiers that got uh, rolled back, maybe. Uh, but they were they weren't set up right, and these guys are uh, involved with that club, and they're shooting as staff at uh, at Area Six, and. Um, I mean that that seems this is so what what I did is you know I'm curious as to what people think the culture of USPSA is uh, and I've I've made I've linked some uh, examples mainly from golf because uh, <laughs> golf has a, a really strong culture of you know if if you get a penalty even if nobody else sees it you call it on yourself um, and. I mean, regular golfers will do that, but even pro golfers will call penalties on themselves and uh, end up losing, you know, millions of dollars because of this. Um, well, I think you got your answer to the question, what the culture is, based on your post. There was guys on there, and I'm not really even shitting on these guys. There was guys just saying, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to argue aggressively. Like, if there's a miss, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to. Get that a double, and if the RO gives it to me, like that's the way it is. It was yeah. kind of the attitude. This was not verbatim. Yeah, and then I mean, there were other people who were, uh, you know, Alex uh, posted today on his story. He made several posts, but arguing with staff uh, ROs to get a lower score at uh, at major matches and how much of a hassle it was because they didn't want to do it. So, I mean, there are people who who will do, I mean, I, I want to say the right thing, but it, it, who will argue for a correct score, and there are people who are, are, will argue for uh, the highest score they can get. And I think it's worth, you know, shooters looking at the sport and see, seeing, you know, do we just want to uh, try to get the best score that we can, regardless of how we get it, or... Uh, do we want to have everybody try to get the correct score? Oh, and you're talking about, so I just went and looked at this. You referenced Alex posting. So you were talking about 
Alex Slavinsky. He just basically posted a check. He just checked out a USPSA on Instagram, it looks like. Citing a number of these issues. Yeah. It looks like he just hit the eject button. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah, and I mean, Bill, I mean, you're talking about the culture. I guess it kind of depends because some sports do have the culture where I, I, I know nothing. I'll be straight with you. I know nothing about sports. But I, you watch some of them and they're like arguing with the ref for everything they could possibly get. And I mean, that's that's just kind of like the way some sports appear to be played. So I'm guessing some people have that not to play devil's advocate, but some people have that mindset of taking that to shooting also, or they kind of just always argue with the ref and try to get whatever they can. Right. Because you do see that in some other sports. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, I don't have any patience for cheating, but I can see why some people do like try to get every, you know, every possible thing they can get. I, I I think it's destructive. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm not a fan either. Like, I'd have an RO pull it out. I'd be like, I really appreciate it, but like pulling out their overlay. But like, I appreciate it. But that's obviously like there's a reason I walked that target first. There's not <laughs> two holes there. Like, yeah. there's a reason I walked straight to that target when I unloaded and I stood there looking at all the perforations like around the the target very carefully. So sorry, Kim. What were you gonna say about the correct scoring wise? A lot of the big sports, organization level wise, they provide some kind of uh, better scoring structure. So, for example, there may be actual uh, timer on the like baseball, basketball. You go to the court. And there's a big, huge timer there, and also there's cameras around, and there's a lot of you know referees around. So organization level wise, they like allow a lot of the stuff that USPSA doesn't allow. So I mean, video is one of them for sure. So well, we don't have the technology for that, <laughs> right? Nobody got a phone on their pocket nowadays. No. So, so in terms of the culture, of course, yeah, the people create the culture too, but also the organization, the government body also can encourage the people to have, you know, develop the culture as well. So it's not just one side, the shooter has to do every culture thing. No, I don't view it that way. I think it's just cooperatively both shooters and the organization also has to do together. Yeah, and I mean, something like this isn't something that you can do top down. You can't have the leadership of the organization say, you know, you guys need to be honest. Uh, well, you don't know what? be dicks. Yeah, and would, that's it, not going to work. It, it wouldn't hurt to try. <laughs> there, it wouldn't. <laughs> it, it would beat. Uh, uh, what, what did Alex say? Well, what, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> yeah. So one interesting experience I had with uh, uh, T I always forget PS PCSL, Mexico Grandes's. Uh, practical shooting competition league or whatever. Uh, so I shot their two-gun match and their PCSL allows video proof. And there was one stage where uh, this target doesn't have hits on. And then this is a good shooter too. And everybody was thinking, I think we counted all good numbers. And I think he uh, actually double engaged one target and forgot one target. And then the RO was like two miss, but I don't know if uh, I give you the uh, failure to engage or not. And then another shooter was like, yeah, I have a video of him shooting. Uh, let's take a look at it together. So in this kind of case, it wasn't like mindset of let's punish him. 
or let's give him a freebie. It wasn't right. like that. Let's find out the correct score. And also, the interesting thing about P uh, PCSL camera roll, video roll, is that the uh, shooter can use a video proof, but you're not going to get penalized. You can only use it to unpenalize things. So if you find out that you didn't engage one target, they can't DQ you or they can't penalize you uh, with that video proof. Does that make sense? You can only help the shooter not yeah, disqualify or anything like that. So that yeah, was so another you can use it to take one. away a penalty, but not add one. Exactly. But everybody checked it anyways because they wanted to see the correct uh, score there. Yeah. Uh, ben, sorry, I just can't help myself. Kim and I had a very productive conversation with Max Lee Grandis, by the way. So uh, if you want to listen to the other podcast, Training Group Live, there'll be a couple episodes coming up with Professor and I talking to Max. And there was quite good conversation, I would say. Yes, I agree 100%. Enough that Kim and I actually were messaging afterwards just mm -hmm. talking about some of the takeaways. So anyway, yep. Training Group members have something to look forward to. Absolutely. Well, anyway, Bill, I think you've been spitting fire. So you haven't gotten much pushback, but... Uh... No, I, I haven't. I mean, a lot a lot of people have said, "Yeah, we think we think this is how how the culture in USPS, USPSA should be." You know, people should want to get the right score. They should want to, um, you know, if if you know you've missed a target and the RO is calling it, you know, a a hit, you should you should say you should step up and say, "No, I that was a mic." Um, the reason I've been comparing it to golf is because, I mean, USPSA isn't really similar to golf, but it kind of is because you're not directly playing against anybody else. You're kind of competing with yourself. It's a, it's an individual sport, and um, so the like the RO can't can't see everything, so they're not going to know. Maybe, uh, I mean, if you're if you're in a in a shoot house and and they're lagging behind, you might uh, you might break a rule or or something like that that you could be penalized for, and the RO wouldn't see it. And um, it, if something like that happens in golf, where you accidentally grind your club in a hazard, and there's not a rules official around, a uh, golfer will penalize themselves, even though uh, even though nobody else would have known. Yeah, just kind of integrity, I suppose. Yeah. Well, plus, like, well, at least in my club, you get a reputation pretty quickly if you're, like, the guy always arguing for doubles. All right, so here's my question. What percentage of guys actually do that? Not in my – that I – Is it 10% of your club even? No, it's only a handful. It would be just a few people. Right, and those guys are more likely to go to major matches, though. Would you say that's true? Probably. I think a lot of guys see how those guys behave, see how the, you know, the aggressive sort of people behave and they don't like it, but they don't say anything. I would say that's probably the majority of people probably don't really dig it, but whatever. Well, you know, 5% of shooters give the other 95% a, a bad name. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, anyway, excellent. Uh, should we move on? Mr. Park, you want to talk about something fun? Uh, I do. I want to talk about, well, suggestions for stage design. Uh, 
especially shooting a club match this past weekend where I could basically stand in one spot and just, you know, shoot to my heart's content, slide lock at low cap, and then load the gun and do more shooting. Uh, I kind of have some guidelines for stuff that I look for if I'm proofing stages that I think are important. Um, one of them is limit the number of targets you can shoot from one spot in a sweet spot. And I think that alleviates a lot of problems where maybe it's unintentional and the stage designer doesn't realize it, but kind of just hunting around and seeing if you could find like that one spot you can stand and shoot, you know, 20 rounds, 15 rounds, 12 rounds, whatever, uh, way too many targets. Um, so obstructing a target uh, also along those lines, obstructing a target at the beginning or the end of the stage is useful for making sure the competitor has to go through the whole shooting area. You don't necessarily have to like clutter it up with walls if that's not what you're trying to challenge them. But if you just have like a target behind a barrel stack, like they're going to have to go to that point. So it's, that's an easy way to force shooters to move throughout the whole shooting area if that's you know what you want to challenge. Um, and then along with that, kind of the last example of standing in kind of the sweet spot and shooting a whole bunch of targets, just putting a barrel stack or a wall, not 500 of them, but just just blocking a target hey, or Joel, two targets. Yeah. You said something like 30 seconds ago. We got a, I was thinking about like, no, I have to interrupt you. Okay. Uh, so when you said you got to decide what skill to challenge, right? Mm -hmm. How many stage designers even do that? I don't know. It probably depends on your area and your club. Well, no, I mean, but that's a really fundamental thing. It's like when you set yes. up a stage, it's like, hey, decide what it is you're trying to like. What you want to accomplish. Them. Like, what do you, are we going to have like a shooting on the move type of deal or like, you know, some distance shooting or whatever? Like, that would be a big step, right? Yeah. Well, as opposed to maybe the the other the other side of that would be just like, let's have some fun and just put out some targets and walls and kind of see what happens. Is that fair, Ben? Like the wrong approach compared to some risk versus reward, some targets where maybe people, it'll be just in the right area where they might want to shoot it on the move, but maybe they want to post up and get the points. Maybe they want to, you know, then you have like all these little things to talk about as opposed to like you go to a spot plant and you just shoot, uh, shoot a bunch of rounds. Yes. Yeah, if you if you're a little more deliberate in the setup, then you, I don't know, you kind of cut out that sort of boring stuff where you set up in one spot and shoot 16 shots without having to move, and it's like, uh, it's just, that's so, not that interesting. No, so just doing like a wall section, kind of in the middle, you know, wherever, or a barrel stack or two, just to block out one or two targets, is going to make people obviously go to different spots so that that guarantees they have to move the other thing that i think is a big well one of the bigger problems that i see is kind of testing the same challenge over and over and over again so what i mean is a stage that all of the targets are at five yards or all of the targets are at 25 yards you're you know you you don't want to have the same well maybe back in the day i joke or like you go to the port shoot eight rounds Go to a different port, shoot eight rounds. Go to a different port and shoot eight rounds. And the targets are all basically the same, where they're all, you know, shoulder width or it's like a diamond, like TikTok, whatever. It's it's like the same presentation over and over and over again. So you want variety is another really important thing. So some targets close, some targets far, some partial, some open. You just want a little bit of everything, as opposed to like this will be the long the long range stage. The the closest target's going to be 20 yards, and the farthest one will be 50 yards. 
Like, that's not very interesting. But and if the stage is all the farthest target is going to be seven yards, it's not super interesting. But if you mix in all of those and you have like some dynamic shooting where, you know, there's a couple different positions, uh, options for what you want to shoot on the move, what you want to post up for, that makes it a lot more interesting and creates conversation amongst the homeboys and the squads. Amazing. I try. I have something similar topic. Ooh, tell me. There you go. Send yeah. it. So <clears throat> a couple of days ago, I shot my first match of the year, and uh, I live in the rainy state, right? So somewhere around March to April, uh, every year, my local match does a full all-steel match. So I just shot that steel match, uh, which is really handy in a rainy state because now the tape tape is gonna you know blow up in the wind and rain all that kind of crap is not there so it's easier set up for sure so one thing was very happy for me is it's actually a.m p.m schedule and i shot both so meaning i shot what 12 stages one day single day and it started 9 a.m and it ended at th somewhere around 3 a.m so it was just like a major match in a way uh the round count just a little bit over 100 like 100 and couple and i think this all steel match the something i want to see uh, at nationals usually is all steel stage at least one because i actually had all steel stage one time when i shot at Passa park because Passa park i think they used to do at least one stage all steel right so like classic nationals or something like that too and then i think it's a very different challenge when i shoot the steel uh, match because first of all the hit factor is not crazy high like you wouldn't see you know above 10 hit factor stage with a steel stage i mean unless there's crazy weird stage where you sit one spot and 32 steel they would be different but a lot of the hit factors are lower side because you need to move around some shots are like 30 yard shot we have um, so those things are really important i think to add in big major maybe not like a lot a lot of steel but maybe one stage a lot of steel on single stage and other stages like paper target i think that'd be very interesting because steel targets are not uh like a b c d it's a hit or miss target so if you miss it uh on a paper target if if your site kind of jumps in a weird spot it may be Charlie or Delta, and a lot of people will just move on. So it's a lot forgiving in terms of that. But in a steel target, uh, one stage I shot over there was two different boxes. One box, you had to shoot 30-yard poppers, mini popper, two mini popper, two big popper. And you see a lot of people trying to exit and do one of those exit uh, jerk dancing because they missed it, but they thought it was a hit, right? How many times do we see on a steel target when people try to exit? But on a paper target, people will kind of ignore and go because they think, oh, it's going to be lucky somewhere in the Delta or Charlie. So in terms of shooting challenge, definitely steel targets have different steel, uh, shooting challenge. And then another thing is the color difference kind of fools people around a little bit too. And a lot of people may shoot paper targets pretty okay, but the steel targets not as much because people tend to not pick a spot on the steel and then try to zoom into a specific spot, but rather they try to see a blur white thing. So in terms of shooting challenge, it's definitely interesting. And then uh, the steel target 
only potential that it can be a little bit dangerous is if you don't set it correct, like the ricochet can, uh, can come around. Uh, I got hit by a ricochet at the match because there was one bay that was surrounded by rock uh, sideburn wise. So as long as the setup is correct, I think it's pretty good. Uh, of course, if there's like an Irish rack or Polish rack kind of thing, uh, you're pretty much screwed in terms of efficient, <laughs> efficient match flow. Yeah, because yeah, we had a lot of reshoot. We had one out there at the match, one stage. We had a lot of reshoots, and then sometimes it was windy, and then you start turning around, and people had to reshoot things like that. And also that kind of thing can be really difficult in a rainy situation to reset because now your hands are painted uh, from the plate and things yeah start not work. But in a major match, I think one stage with typical plain steel targets, I think would be pretty good idea. Mm -hmm. And one thing interesting is, uh, like I said, it's a hit or miss target. So if you are shooting close to a capacity, uh, you may end up doing stationary reload unless you plan to reload somewhere for a safety shot. And that's another factor that you got to be perfect on your shooting if you're shooting to capacity, right? So uh, that can be detrimental for low cap shooters for sure. They may hate it, but if it's a carry optic shooters and if it's a twenty round steel all steel stage, that's kind of interesting. Where people can do what twenty two plus one typically or twenty three plus one depends. Mm -hmm. So in that kind of case, like people may, oh, I'm gonna be safe and reload, or some people may say, oh, I'm I'm super good. I'm not missing any. And then end up missing a couple and then do a couple reloads, station reloads. I think pretty interesting challenge there too. Yes, I like it. Uh, Kim, you talked about ricochets on steel. One thing we started doing at my club, which really alleviates issues, is if you put any kind of steel near like the 180-ish or even like in that ballpark, mm -hmm. you need to put up, or it's a good idea to put up like a piece of plywood or mm -hmm. something to block that or like even a barrel stack yeah. because otherwise people will hit that, like you know, shooting towards 180 hit that steel and then stuff will splatter back, mm. you know, uprange and we've had people hit before. So that's a good idea. Anyway, something to think about that. that those kind of have to be blocked off. No, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it is definitely fun. Oh, and it looks cooler on the video too, because you hear the tank, 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 rather than paper target. If you show it to somebody who doesn't understand shooting, they were like, oh, what are like, you shooting oh, at? They're like, watch this. Yeah, yeah, watch this knocking down. <laughs> Uh, that video you posted on the interwebs was hot fire, sir. Thank you. I liked it. Yeah. I like the still going down. So, <laughs> yes, don't we all, gentlemen? Yes. I wanted to talk about the ammo situation. Oh, okay. What yeah. ammo? What what issue is there? What situation is there, Ben? Well, it seemed like it all went away in 2020. Oh, okay. And then in 2021, it was real bad. And now it seems like there's uh, factory ammo is kind of sitting on the shelves from what I'm seeing at the more expensive places. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so what about the uh, primer market there, Joel? Uh, if you have some friends, I think they're still available. Like if you no, get but it at the right time on deals. You keep your ear to the ground. Like what are they going for? When they uh, become available in my area, probably eighty bucks is about what retail stores sell them for. Eighty yeah. to hundred. And can you get the quantity you want? No, definitely not. And when they well, get them, it'll be price. like, yeah. And when they get them, it'll be like you know, 
the homeboys text each other and then everybody just flocks there and buys everything they have and then it's gone and then you know who knows when they'll get more i think <laughs> i think vista announced that they're not going to be selling like they're going to be keeping all their primers for loaded ammo. Uh, their manufactured ammo yeah so that's that's no more uh, federal or cci primers for a while um yeah, I mean, I I think it's fucked and probably getting more fucked. Um, it's probably the best way I can describe it. So, so, so I remember advice? paying. Go oh, I remember paying one hundred twenty six dollars after tax here. Oof, one hundred But the main problem is at at one hundred twenty bucks, you still can't even buy all you want, can you? No, they are even selling a hundred box one, not the entire thousand box. So I'm a, I'm buying a disc, not the box. And they're limiting uh, limiting it to two, I think, last time I bought it. So 200. So you have yeah, to break out the wigs and the fake glasses. <laughs> Make multiple trips into the store. People do that at, in my area. <laughs> One guy will go in and like, he'll go in and his like tank top and then he goes in with a sweatshirt and then he brings his dog in for a while. Oh, yeah, man. I know. Well, I, I don't I don't know that it's going to get a lot better. I mean, we might get some of that stagflation going on, which is apparently a recession plus inflation at the same time, which that should be cool. Well, other than your Something doom and gloom, to. Ben, I was looking forward to you giving some uh, some advice about people training or, uh, you know, conserving their ammo or what they should do other than just saying well, the situation I, sucks. It, it always occurs to me when we talk about the ammo price that the uh, the relative value of taking classes has kind of gone up with that because if you th think about it like what am i what's the rate now for class like 400 bucks to take a class like you're you mean the the increase in ammo prices has you know this made the tuition seem like a lot less <laughs> that's true i mean well, that's only like 500 rounds as opposed to getting a bucket of ammo and just figuring it out. It's like, oh, maybe I should get instruction. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, if I, I, I just mean, fire for effect. Ammo's this much in the first place, I might as well try to use it semi-productively, you know. <laughs> well, there's also some people that it's tough to, it's really tough to sell them on dry fire. They're like, yeah, that's fine, but I'm not poor. And it's like, hey, now guess what? You're going to be dry firing. Right, it's like, oh, you just fired 20 <laughs> rounds. You're poor now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so it is good to make people dry fire. And... Well, I mean, Ben, we got a couple tactics like classes we taught last year. We'll teach classes this year. It is good to force people, even if they have, you know, ammo cans in their trunk. It is good to make people dry fire anyway on the range. So, yeah, it's uh, a big winner, I think. I do think it's actually forcing people to pay more attention to what they're doing, as opposed to maybe some people that would just shoot a thousand rounds a weekend and just not really focus on the results as much. Now they're like, hey, I don't have as much ammo. I have to really concentrate on training and getting something out of this so anyway i don't think it's all bad well it's not good but you know yeah i'm making a lot of the lower round count drills now i have a list of uh, other lower round count drills but two of the good ones in and out which just came out and then trigger break exits so both are six rounds and seven rounds and we're doing both of those at the summit in your block yes. right yeah okay Indeed, we are. One of the blocks is the professor's new drills. Oh, yeah. <sighs> that damn professor. <laughs> so he's coming up with new shit. Well, guys, I think this was a real cracker of a podcast, I have to tell you. 
Oh, it's amazing. Okay. Listeners, if you have a question you'd like the answer to, go to bensticker.com, send me your questions. We'd love to hear from you.